This is a show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve him and their neighbor, for whom the words of the creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is a show for all those like you and me who make the conscious choice to follow Christ outside the walls. I'm your host, TL. So glad to have you on the show today. Here we are experiencing, maybe for the first time, Holy Saturday and the way that the apostles experienced it. Here we are recognizing the full loss of Christ. The hopes that we've had for our futures have been dashed. And all our expectations for the future uh, have been subverted. What we expected life to look like is not what it looks like, and and who knows when it will look that way again. This is what the, the first disciples felt. This is what Holy Saturday is all about. Let's sit for a moment and, and feel the full weight of this, and don't shy away from it. You know, it, it's, very, it's easy to feel this first uh, pang of realization, and then to quickly try to find something to distract us, to, to find some way to, um, to assuage, to to relieve that 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 fear, to relieve the the anxiety of it, and and not really just to sit with it and realize the full implications of this. This is what those first disciples experienced, and the reason that we don't want to shy away from it is because this feeling, when it receives the hope of the resurrection and the returned presence of Christ. This desperation that we feel at the moment from the loss of so much is then what drives the missionary zeal of these first apostles uh, to go out and to share with everyone this news because they had been touched by desperation, by fear, and by hopelessness. And then the divine light of Christ came and revealed to them the relationship and the reconciliation with the Father and the desire of God the Father uh, to be in communion with us, that realization on top of the desperation of Holy Saturday is what created this missionary culture. Now, if we distract ourselves from from this desperation, if we get lost in social media or in binge watching or whatever else the case may be, if we don't allow ourselves to feel the weight of Holy Saturday, then Easter Sunday will be empty and vacant. It'll be another spectacle like the spectacles that we distract ourselves with, a a quick viral moment that in a few years is forgotten. Because the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not merely a viral moment that captured society's attention and made everyone focus on it for a little while. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the medicinal uh, application to cure the wound of our sin. And unless we have really experienced this wound, we won't even know that we need to go and seek out the cure, right? And so take some time today and feel the weight of Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday is a gift that is given to us whereby we go back and we remember the hopelessness that the disciples felt. We remember what life without Christ would be like. And we do that in a couple of ways. Uh, traditionally, it's done because no no mass is offered, no communion is received for the whole day uh, until we get to the Easter vigil. And this is the, the only... Uh, time where that's true. 
Now, Good Friday is the only day of the year where there's not a mass within the 24-hour segment. But we do receive, very often, we do receive communion on that day. Holy Saturday just has this empty feeling. If you were to go to the church, the, the tabernacle would be empty. There's so many signs and uh, visual signs that this is a different day. And beyond that, the, there's a very definite spiritual sense when you go into a church on Holy Saturday that things are different. Now, the quarantine has given us this, uh, this opportunity, this gift, uh, as strange as it is to say, to really feel the weight of that. This is an extended examination of our conscience. Here we get to see what are the things that we truly have been relying on. What are the things that we truly are missing? Uh, And in that, it gives us insight into the places where we still have need of Christ to come and be our all in all. That, That Christ wants to be the fullness of our life. And not just something that we do on Sundays, right? Not just something that maybe we do if we have Wednesday catechesis that we do on Wednesdays. So here, as we look at our whole schedule being ripped apart, our calendar being cleared, what are the things that have thrown you for the biggest loop? What are the things that have um, really irritated you that are absent from your life? And Christ says, ah, I want to fulfill the need that's in that place. Now, we've, we've become very accustomed here in the West to receiving communion on a regular basis, um, weekly or daily in some cases, and this is not the case in large swaths of the world. Christ's presence does come to us in a very particular way in the sacrament of the Eucharist, in receiving communion. But this is not the only way that Christ wants to come to us. And so this is a time for us as we are deprived of the reception of the Eucharist, um, this is a time for us to seek after God in prayer, to take moments of silence, reading Scripture, uh, studying Scripture, and sitting with it, maybe in Alexio Divina, reading the passages from the Mass of the day and letting them sit with you. And if you really want to get ambitious, today is the day to do it. Go and pull out, go to usccb.org. They always have the readings There, there's a little calendar over on the right side, about halfway down the page. You click that, and it takes you to the readings of the day. And today's readings are so rich. Uh, As they take us through, it's the readings for Easter Vigil. There are many, many more of them than normal. And they take us through the whole of salvation history, starting with Adam and Eve in the garden, going through the covenant with with Abraham, going through the, the prophets, and bringing us right up to... The, the moment of our redemption. This is a great day to say, you know what? I have nothing else to do. I'm going to go and I'm going to, uh, there, literally, there's nothing worthwhile that could distract me. I'm going to go and read through salvation history. Uh, it's going to take you a while. Uh, it might take 30 minutes. It might take a little bit more. Uh, but sit with those words. Let them wash over you like waves. Uh, and feel the presence of God, because the Word of God goes forth, and it will accomplish that which it was sent for. So let the Word come to you, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Let yourself hear those words of Scripture. I encourage you even to say these words out loud, because this gives all the kinds of learning. You are reading it, you are speaking it, you are hearing it. 
and hear these words of Scripture come over you as you find your place in the story of salvation history. You find the place where God wants to come in and bring healing, where God wants to come in and bring reconciliation, where he wants to come in and truly connect with you and be the gravity, that anchoring uh, aspect of your life, the anchoring presence of Christ, and know that you are not alone. I know it feels that way because we are very isolated right now. But allow yourself, even in this isolation, to realize that you have not been abandoned, right? Uh, There's this passage in Corinthians that we are pressed but not crushed, persecuted but not abandoned, uh, struck down but not destroyed. That, yes, we are experiencing difficulty, but all of this difficulty can be for our good and not merely for our good because any good that we receive is always for the benefit of others. He says to Abraham, I will, uh, I will raise you up and make you a great nation. Those who bless you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. I, I'm making you a nation for the sake of the world, to bless the world. And that's the truth of us as well. We are here in this world as the people of God for the sake of everyone else, for the sake of those who have not yet come to a knowledge, the saving knowledge of, of Jesus Christ. We are here uh, to be God's manifest presence here on earth, that we bring his, his kingdom uh, on earth as it is in heaven. And so for us to be able to do that, for us to be these uh, missionary disciples that we are all called to be, we have to go through the realization of our own lack, of what we, uh, what we um, don't have enough of, right? We have to go through an a examination of our loss and to feel the weight of hopelessness without the presence of Christ so that when we come to a new revelation, a new and deeper understanding of the love of God, we would be energized and empowered to go out and fulfill the Great Commission, to go out to all the world and making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, we have this promise of Christ's presence. But right now, sometimes it feels like... uh, an accoutrement, something that we carry along on the, oh, it's, isn't it so nice that Jesus is on this journey with me? Isn't it so nice that God can be with me throughout my day? Rather than to realize that this journey that we are on is one that is led by God and that is dependent upon God. And so let's do that today. Let's read through all of these scriptures of salvation history. Let's look to ourselves and see what are the things in my life uh, that that I'm feeling the lack of? And how does Christ want to fill those empty places? And then lastly, lastly, let's prepare our hearts to celebrate Easter in a fitting way as best as we can and let that drive us into missionary discipleship, to go beyond, above and beyond returning to the status quo. The disciples never returned to the status quo. What they did was all of the things that they had lost were replaced by something completely different and better that their past had equipped them for, but it went beyond what their past was. 
And so our topic today is going to be connected to that. How do we celebrate Easter in quarantine in a fitting way as we're unable to go and participate in the Easter vigil? We're unable to go to Easter morning mass uh, and we don't have these familiar moments of celebration. What does it look like for us to experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ in in a liturgical way, in a profound way that leaves us with uh, with that hope that we so desperately need here at the end of quarantine. So to explore that today, we're talking with Haley Stewart. Uh, we've had her on the show before. You can find that episode by going to OutsideTheWalls.com and clicking through the sidebar to find her name. Uh, we talked about her book, The Grace of Enough, which we will reference today. Uh, but we're talking today about this extended Lent and how we kind of feel like we're walking through an extended Holy Saturday where we've been uh, going through the this process, this, this uh, trial of living without receiving the Eucharist for an extended period of time. Haley, thank you for joining us again today. Thanks so much for having me. So on Twitter, um, where you are at Haley Carrots, for anyone who wants to follow you, uh, and the, and you should, uh, you've talked a little bit about the the experience of going through this this quarantine and and the difficulty, both in terms of just, hey, it's hard being a parent and having your kids having to stay home, not just, uh, you know, for those people who don't normally have their kids at home, but even as a, a homeschool mom, they, they can't go anywhere. They have to stay. <laughs> I mean, it's hard just, just that much. But, yeah. But then the loss of, um, the liturgical life, uh, writ large, being able to participate in, in the parish activity and just the overarching, uh, surrealism of our current national situation. Just to express a little bit about what you have been going through and, and what your observations have been maybe as a, as a mom and a parent as well. Yeah. I, it, it's strange because in some ways our days feel super normal because we homeschool. So it's not weird for my kids to be home during the day and my husband makes hand sanitizer now at the distillery where he used to um, be making fine whiskey. So um, all of that is kind of normal routine. But then, like you said, we can't go to any of my kids' extracurriculars or anything like that. And so they can't run around. It's been raining. And it's just kind of a, we live in a small house and it's been a high stress situation. So it's hard to deal with changes and challenges with a lot of kids and a small house while also dealing internally with the situation outside our home. Yeah. And so it's kind of this whiplash between, oh yeah, we kind of had this laid back day where we didn't have to go anywhere except that it was seething with anxiety because there's a global pandemic. And so it's just confusing. And it's hard to process that without freaking out my kids, Yeah, you know, cause I don't want them to be freaked out. Um, so that's been challenging. And then um, I think that in most crises, we would do two things like human beings would reach out for two things um, the sacraments right. and our community, right? which are the two things we can't 
have right now. Um, and that's really tough. Cause that's, you know, any other crisis, I would want to be in church mm-hmm. and receiving the Eucharist and just the incredible comfort of the grace of the, of that sacrament. And then I would want to be having dinner with all my friends surrounding me around my table. And so those, we can't have those things in addition to the kind of grief and suffering and anxiety that we're dealing with. And that really makes it tough. Yeah. I remember uh, probably about a year ago, maybe a couple of years ago saying, you know, if the world ever did just come to an end, like if all society just kind of collapsed, I would go and live at the monastery, right? I'd find find a way to, to pack up and, and get as close to the monastery as I could. And sadly, our closest monastery is just over the northern border uh, with Canada, right? And they have, they've closed down the border, so I can't even go visit, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it, there is this sense of the things that we fly to, even even the physical and tangible manifestations of, of Christ's presence among us, those things are being removed from us. And in a certain way, it requires us, uh, in order to live our faith, it requires us to practice a little bit of contemplation and Christian mysticism that, that mm-hmm. we're not really accustomed to here in the Western world uh, because we have so many distractions uh, of our of our daily life, we've got Hulu, we've got uh, all of our streaming services, we've got extracurricular activities that so pack our day that we don't have time for contemplation or mysticism uh, that are firmly entrenched as a part of our of our um, heritage as Catholics. Uh, but we hear those words and and maybe shy away from them a little bit. And and I almost feel you know it's, I I heard uh, Bishop. Vigneron from the Archdiocese of Detroit talk about this is not the Lent that we wanted, but this is the Lent that God intended for us. Mm. And I look at this and I say, you know, all of the things that we find comfort in, even in the reception of the Eucharist, which is very familiar, have been taken away from us. And it's almost as if God is calling us to say, I want you to take comfort in my presence in a way that maybe you would not normally run to. I want you to f- find me in the unfamiliar rather mm. than going through the motions and just finding me in the familiar. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a really good insight. It definitely is a very it's a very linty lint. <laughs> it's a lint unlike any we've experienced before. Um and when you think about the Linton imagery of going out into the desert all alone. Like it, it yeah. feels like that because we're isolated and we're thirsting for the Eucharist and well, we can't have it. yet. <laughs> and this is a day uh, every year where the, the Eucharist is absent from us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we go through the Triduum. We have that, that experience of, um, of Holy Thursday and then Good Friday where we do the stations of the cross and no masses said, even though we receive communion that day. And then Holy Saturday is this kind of day unto itself where even if you walk into the church, it just feels different. But now we're even prevented from being able to walk into the church. And, mm-hmm. and so we have, we've had all of the, uh, the comforting, familiar signs of Christ's presence completely stripped away. And tomorrow, we're going to try and celebrate Easter, even though there's still 
uh, no public celebration of the Eucharist. And so somehow we're going to have to have a fitting celebration where we say Christ is risen, and and because of that, the world can rejoice, even mm. though we still feel, I mean, we're, who knows how long this is going to go on, that we are going to experience this kind of a Holy Saturday feeling. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, I, I've just as we're looking towards this feast, you know, it was 50 days of feasting is the season of Easter. And right. who knows how much of that is going to be isolated in our own homes. And um, just thinking about what, what does it mean to have a feast? And I've been re- reading a lot of Joseph Pieper lately. Mm-hmm. He has a whole book about what is festivity. You know, we think we have this idea of it, but what is it really that makes something a feast or a festival? Because it's more than just people having a good time. Well, and, and I, th- I think we often associate it with gluttony, right? Oh, this that's when we overeat. And, and that's right. our whole concept of feasting. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of walks through this whole, um, this whole idea of festivity being founded in gratitude to the creator that that is, is the source of the festivity that we are grateful that we exist and that all that exists is a good gift from God. Yeah. And, and from that gratitude comes the merrymaking and the joy that you, know, you think about like Christmas festivity, that feeling that you have, mm-hmm. but what does it come from? It comes from, we're grateful to God that we're alive and that he saved us by sending the Christ child, that he came himself to save us. And so it's based on a historical event, but one that is always happening, Hmm. one that's always true. And I think that's so true of Easter because yes, we're talking about an event that happened in history and yet it's a reality in our lives every day, the risen Lord. Yeah. We are, and so we are an Easter people. Right. Exactly. And, and so if we, I think have that mindset of, okay, there's so much going wrong in the world, but whether things are going good or bad in the world is not what makes us decide whether we feast. Yeah. You know, what we're, the reason of this festivity is, the resurrection and that remains true. And we can still have so much gratitude for that in the midst of everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. We're talking today with Haley Stewart. She's got a blog carrots for Michaelmas.com. She's also got a podcast at fountains of carrots.com. I encourage you to go take a look at them. Uh, one of the things that, that came up as you were saying that, uh, that festivity comes from gratitude is that gratitude cannot coexist with um, with a sense of entitlement. Mm-hmm. If I am owed this thing, if I am owed the presence of Christ in the Eucharist, if, if it is unjustly taken from me and how dare they remove this from me, then there can be no gratitude when, when we receive it again because it was always owed to me. I, when we... Um, I think this is one of the reasons why the church takes us through the triduum for us to see this is not owed to us. What we were owed was, um, was death as a result of our sin. 
And the only way for us to get to a place where we can gratefully uh, turn and return our praise to Christ is to recognize the depth of our own sinfulness. We have to start with that realization of, of who we really are. And before we can ever be grateful for who he has made us to be. Mm-hmm. No, I think that that is a great point. And when, when we don't have that gratitude, that's when, like, I think that Christmas is, is the festival that so many of us associate merrymaking and festivity with. Um, and when you think about like the Christmas movies of the entitled person who isn't grateful for it. And so they can't experience festivity. They can't wrap their mind around it. They can't get it until they learn to be grateful. Um, so I think that is a, a key thing that if we're unable to see life as gift mm-hmm. and all that God has given us and our salvation as gift, then we can't experience a feast. We can't really feast. It would just be going through the motions and some kind of weird gluttony because it isn't coming from this source where joy really flows. Mm-hmm. And that that's, I think, going to be a challenge for us as parents uh, as we come through this Easter is to help our kids see and uh, that this extended loss of the Eucharist, specifically for those kids who are preparing for or have recently had their first communion, uh, to show them that even in this time, uh, as we make a spiritual communion, as we um, relish the way that we can connect with Christ in this mysticism, uh, is for them to see that this, even this, even this absence of, of our normal rhythms, even this is God's gift to us for this time and this place. Even this loss is a gift. Mm. Yeah. And that's tough because my kids have all, you know, we've been watching a lot of daily masses and then live streaming a mass on Sunday, which just feels so weird, but it's better than, better than nothing, I guess. Um, But they've just said over and over again, it's so weird not to be at mass. I can't believe we're not at mass. It's going to be so great when we get to go back to mass. Um, I was, I was telling the kids, I was like, you know, I feel like I want to be like a daily communicant after this. I want to go to daily mass every day. And my six-year-old totally just epically one up to me. And she was like, I think we should live on only the Eucharist. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, I can't, I can't top that Catherine of Siena. Um, but I think that I think that one of the only ways to get through something like this is to try to see what beautiful things are going to come out of it. And be assured there are beautiful things that will come out of this. We're talking today with Haley Stewart. She blogs over at Carrots for Michaelmas and has a podcast, Fountains of Carrots. We've got links to those over on our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Come over there, click through, and be a part of the ongoing conversation. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation and look at some specific ways we can celebrate Easter. We'll be right back right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. Today we're talking with Haley Stewart. She's got a beautiful book, The Grace of Enough, Pursuing Less and Living More in a Throwaway Culture, available on Ave Maria Press. Uh, you can also follow her on Twitter, I do, uh, by going to at Haley Carrots. And then she has a blog and a podcast. The blog is carrotsformichelmas.com. The podcast is fountainofcarrots.com. You like carrots. <laughs> Seems to be, yes. <laughs> and of course, that came from um, a liturgical living is how you started out this podcast. Ways that families can celebrate the liturgy in their own home, which is really specifically apropos as we are about to go into the <laughs> Easter season and are kind of at a loss because all the ways we normally celebrate are gone. Uh, so I want to point out to everyone that they can go take a look at your blog, listen to your podcast, and get some great ideas for for living that out in the domestic church. Uh, if you're looking for great ideas or ways to cope, this is the place to start. <laughs> Haley, thank you for joining us again today. Yeah, so glad to be here. So I wanted to talk a, a little bit more about this idea of here we are living in Holy Saturday, and every year we do the reading uh, out of the breviary for Holy Saturday that something, something is strange, right, is happening. Uh, and we'll do that later in the show. But this, this sitting in the weirdness is really part of what Holy Saturday is about, is acknowledging this loss that we have of Christ. And yes, we're, we're in a protracted experience of that right now, but, but the church has always built in to our liturgical year this experience. It's not that this is an odd thing. And we talked in previous weeks that there are places uh, today in countries where they get the Eucharist once a year or or sometimes less. We've talked about the extraordinary witness of, of the saints in Japan who went for 200, I think 250 years without the Eucharist. And they still had a vibrant faith. When the missionaries came back, they were still baptizing and marrying and practicing the parts of the faith that they were able to. Uh, and, and so we can live this time in solidarity with them uh, and point our prayers specifically for those people who, for whom this is a normal occurrence. But then also, uh, even when we are able to receive the fullness of the liturgical calendar, the church gives us a day where they say, don't forget, don't forget that the Eucharist is not always available. There is a time where the sacrifice can't take place. There is a time where you can't just go and adore Christ in the Eucharist, in the tabernacle or a monstrance. There is a time where Christ is completely removed for us so that then we can come again and celebrate. And so I, I want to talk a little bit about what, is, what does it look like for us to acknowledge that, for us to then worthily and fittingly celebrate Easter? Mm -hmm. Well, I keep thinking about the book, The Read of God by Carol Hauslander, who is a 20th century British Catholic. She writes in kind of a, a mystical fashion. Mm -hmm. um, and her book is so beautiful. So she's become one of my favorite spiritual writers. And she talks about the kind of strange story of Mary and Joseph losing the Christ child, <laughs> where it's still weird that Mary 
would lose Jesus. You know, and it's so weird that Jesus, who we know loves his mother, would go away from her, would let her experience the anxiety and the the grief of losing him. And so, you know, one of the mysteries of, one of the joyful mysteries is the finding of the child Jesus at the temple. Um, but we wonder, why did Mary have to lose him? Why did Jesus do this to her? And Carol Hauslander talks about um, because Mary is not just a human woman, but in some ways is humanity. We're all called to be Mary, to be Christ bearers. She experienced the loss of the presence of Christ because every one of us is going to experience that at some point in our lives where we do not feel the presence of Christ. It feels like we have lost him and he is far away from us. And what Carol Hauslander says, I mean, it's so beautiful, so much better than I can paraphrase it, but she talks about sometimes it feels like we just walked into an empty room and the door has just shut and we know a child has left the house and we can still hear the ringing of their laughter in the room, but they've gone. And just kind of the, the grief of that experience that Mother Mary understands mm-hmm. and experienced again when Christ was on the cross. But then Carol Hauslander talks about um, how Mary then found her son in St. John mm-hmm. when Jesus points to John and says, you know, here is your mother, here is your son and gave them to each other. Also giving Mary to us as our mother. She models for us how to seek the Christ child in all times and in all people, that that's our job as Christians is to look for Christ everywhere we go and with everyone we meet. And I think that's what we have to think about this Easter is, okay, I don't have Jesus in the Eucharist, but I I am in a house with my husband and my four kids and I have to find the Christ child in them. And I have to love the Christ child in them because Christ has made himself present in that way. And so that we are not alone, even if we don't feel his presence. Mm -hmm. And in that same regard, I I think of the the uh, the the modern day saint who's and I use that term colloquially, uh, Mister Rogers, right? <laughs> what one of the things that he said is in a crisis, and he was responding to a child who is saying, "What do I do when I see all these scary things on TV?" And uh, he says, "In a crisis, look for the helpers, right? There's the helpers will always come out. The people who who are rushing to assist instead of running away, and." I think that as we experience this loss of, of Christ in the Eucharist, we have to recognize that he says we are the body of Christ. And this doesn't take away from the graces of the Eucharist, and I don't mean to say that in, in kind of a cheesy, you know, uh, 1970s kumbaya way. <laughs> and yet we we are the incarnation that the rest of the world experiences, right? Uh, he, back in the, in the first covenant, in that old covenant, he said, you will be blessed to be a blessing. And so I think that in some ways we have to look at at our lives and at the way that we embody Christ to those around us and say, 
have I, in my actions, deprived the rest of the world from the presence of Christ as I am being deprived from that presence now? You know, it's really easy to get so um, plugged into our parish community that we no longer know anyone who is not Mm -hmm. Catholic. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, are we really living the Eucharist? Are we being a Eucharistic and Easter people uh, for the rest of the world? Or are we receiving the sacraments just for ourselves and kind of hoarding them? Mm, no, that's that's so good. And it reminds me of another Carol Hauslander idea. I'm just <laughs> full of Carol Hauslander ideas. But she talks about sometimes we don't know why we're in a certain job or why we're in a certain situation or why a certain thing is happening happening to us and why we're in this environment. And she says, we have to remember that we are bearing Christ into the world. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if we were not there, Christ would not get to be there mm-hmm. with whoever it is that he wants to reach out to. And so it may not make sense to us, but it makes sense to him. One of the things that I have really appreciated, uh, Haley, about this whole time that we have been in, in quarantine is all of a sudden, masses are up online everywhere. I've seen priests taking uh, confession outdoors and sitting in parking lots or sitting in places that are very visible. And, and it's awkward for us, um, but we're grateful to be able to have the sacrament. I've seen Eucharist, uh, the monstrances put in the front windows of churches and people gathering in the parking lots for adoration. Uh, I've seen um, priests <laughs> taking monstrances in the back of pickup trucks and riding around neighborhoods or, or, or doing a Eucharistic procession with them and one other person walking through an empty street. And for us, this is a, them going above and beyond an extraordinary measure for us to be able to have some semblance of the Eucharist. But what is happening? Christ mm-hmm. is going to the streets. Yeah, we know that mass streamed online is not the same thing. It's not the same experience, and it feels weird. But other people have never seen a mass. And mm-hmm. here it is writ large, put in front of their eyes everywhere. And if this is a, a crack in the door of an evangelistic opportunity for us to say, this is what we do all the time. Come and see. Just if that come and see is by me posting the link to my Facebook page or Twitter or talking about it a little bit more readily in a way that is not just complaining. All Mm. of a sudden we have this opportunity in the midst of our own loss uh, to be a worker in, in the vineyard and to bring and produce fruit for the kingdom rather than just receiving a grace for myself. We're talking mm-hmm. with Haley Stewart today. Go ahead. Well, I, as you were saying that, I, w- I don't know if you watched the Orbi at, or oh. Urbi at Orbi yes. um, benediction with Pope Francis. We watched it live. We didn't know what he was saying because it was in Italian, so we read the transcript later. But watching him um, adore Christ in the Eucharist, mm-hmm. And then holding up the monstrance and giving that blessing. And that is one of the most powerful things I've ever seen. The the darkness outside and the rain and the flashing lights of um, police cars at the border of Vatican City in Italy. And then the the bells of the church drowning out those sirens. And it was just one of the most powerful things I've ever seen. And I thought... If someone is watching this 
that doesn't really know what this is all about, they would still come away with, there's something to that. Yeah. Like something happened there that's powerful. Well, what, what I saw in that as well was a, a, a little different take on it. Uh, maybe it's a different take. Maybe everyone thought this. Here I see this elderly man with one lung and sciatica limping as he's carrying this heavy monstrance at great personal sacrifice to himself for the sake of others, to bring Christ to others. And, mm-hmm. and he's giving us an example that there are going to be things that are painful and uncomfortable and difficult that will be sacrificed for us. And yet we're called to bear Christ to others in the same way that he did for us. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's that's a beautiful thought. I love that. It was powerful. And if anyone has not read what he said in the address, I encourage you to read it. Just if you need some hope and some encouragement, if you're feeling like you're despairing, that's what you should read. It is so good. We're going to put a link to that up on our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handles at outside the walls. So we're coming up on, on the 50 days of Easter celebration. People can find some information about how to do that. What some ideas are at your blog, uh, carrots for Michaelmas.com. I want to talk a little bit about what happens when all of this is over, not just for the church, but for society, because this has been a, uh, a sea change, earth shaking kind of an event that isn't limited to a locality. I mean, this is everywhere. Uh, and so one of the things that I read recently talked about normal isn't going to be the same when things come back to normal. So I want to point to your book, the grace of enough pursuing less and living more in a throwaway culture. And I want to come to it specifically because in writing this book and in getting to the place in yourself where you could write this book, one of the things you had to do is to redefine what enough was for you. And I think that we're all going to have to have that experience soon of really asking ourselves, what really is enough? Can you just share in it real briefly, because we don't have a lot of time here, what does that look like for us to to ha- take an honest evaluation of what enough means moving into the future? Yeah, that's that's a great thought. And I think it's something that we all have to wrestle with ourselves because we have it would be so helpful if the Vatican had a checklist of you know, if you have this many kids, you get to have this many rooms in your house and right. this is how much money you can have before you give the rest away. But it's something we have to discern prayerfully. Um, and I think we're going to have to keep in mind that if we are one of the lucky few whose job situation did not change, mm-hmm. if we have been, um, less, you know, more untouched than other families. How can we support the people around us? What, what is our leftover beyond what we really need? What is enough for us? I think it's something we're all going to have to wrestle with. Um, And I think we have to, I think more than coming up with a number or, you know, of our possessions is focusing on what am I going to live my life for? Because this sort of thing, you know, maybe pandemics only happen every 100 years, who knows, but things happen. Mm -hmm. And if we're living our lives for our 401ks, 
this sort of thing is devastating. Yeah. Not to diminish the anxieties of financial loss. You know, we all want to be able to provide for our families. We don't want our kids to be hungry. We want to be able to send them to school and all of these things. But um, remembering what it, what is it we're living for? What are we investing in? Because if all we're investing in is the stock market, stock markets crash. Yeah. You know, but if we're investing in the life of the church and the life of our families, those are things that don't don't get washed away amidst crises. All of those investments have eternal value. Yeah. And I think that that is the attitude we have to have. We've been talking today with Haley Stewart. Please go pick up her book, Ave Maria Press, The Grace of Enough, Pursuing Less and Living More in a Throwaway Culture. You can find her podcast, fountainsofcarrots.com. Her blog is Carrots for Michaelmas. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today, Haley. Thanks so much for having me. This was really, I feel like, good to talk through some of these things for myself. (laughs) (laughs) If you enjoyed my conversation with Haley, there is more to this conversation that's available to all of those who support the show through Patreon. Our Patreon community helps ensure that we are able to stay on the air, basically, by making sure that I have time to keep up this hobby, right? Uh, I am so thankful for the people who are a part of that. And in gratitude, I give them extra unbroadcast segments every week, as well as some extra little goodies from time to time. Why don't you go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that top right-hand link that says Patreon, support the show, and peruse the page to see if this is something that you might be interested and able to participate in. Let's go ahead now and turn our attention to our readings from Scripture and Church History. And as always, here on Holy Saturday, uh, we're going to take these readings straight out of the bravery, because nothing can say it better than what the Church has already put together for us. Today's reading from Scripture comes from the letter to the Hebrews. While the promise of entrance into his rest still holds, we ought to be fearful of disobeying, lest any one of you be judged to have lost his chance of entering. We have indeed heard the good news as they did, but the word which they heard did not profit them, for they did not receive it in faith. It is we who have believed who enter into that rest, just as God said, Thus I swore in my anger, they shall never enter into my rest. Yet God's work was finished when he created the world, for in reference to the seventh day, Scripture somewhere says, And God rested from all his work on the seventh day. And again, in the place we have referred to, God says, They shall never enter into my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter, and those to whom it was first announced did not because of their unbelief, God once more set a day. Today, when long afterward he spoke through David the words we have quoted, Today, if you should hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Now, if Joshua had led them into the place of rest, God would not have spoken afterward of another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for the people of God. And he who enters into God's rest rests from his own work as God did from his. Let us strive to enter into that rest so no one may fall in imitation of the example of Israel's unbelief. Indeed, God's word is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates and divides the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the reflections and thoughts of the heart. Nothing is concealed from him. 
all lies bare and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must render an account. As you hear that reading from the book of uh, the letter to the Hebrews, what stands out to you? What are the words that maybe zinged your heart a little bit more quickly? Let's sit with this scripture for a while and realize that God is calling you and I to respond in faith today. And today is always and ever present, right? If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. So listen, what is the voice of the Lord saying to you today? It's not enough to coast off of our experience of Christ yesterday or last month or last year or when we were children. What is Christ saying to you today through the words of his scripture, through uh, communion, through connection with him in prayer? God is calling us to connect with him. He reconciled us through his death for the purpose of relationship not just for the purpose of a ticket to heaven, but for the purpose of an ongoing experience of eternal life. That eternal life doesn't start when we die. It starts right now and right here as we are alive in Christ, right? We have been uh, subsumed into him. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives within me. And this has to become our reality that today, As we hear his voice, we harden not our hearts. We turn our eyes and our attention and our hearts uh, to be united with his, that our will would be his will, uh, that we give ourselves fully to the direction that God is calling us to go in. That is what it means for us to be missionary disciples, to be followers of Jesus Christ on this daily basis. And so today, as we hear his voice through these words of Scripture, let us receive in faith the words that were given to us. Our reading from church history comes, as always, from this beautiful ancient homily on Holy Saturday. And it takes a—oh, we're just going to read it. I, I love this, this reading. Something strange is happening. There is a great silence on earth today, a great silence— and stillness. The whole earth keeps silence because the king is asleep. The earth trembled and is still because God has fallen asleep in the flesh, and he has raised up all who have slept ever since the world began. God has died in the flesh, and hell trembles with fear. He has gone to search for our first parent, as for a lost sheep. Greatly desiring to visit those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death, he has gone to free from sorrow the captives, Adam and Eve, he who is both God and the son of Eve. The Lord approached them, bearing the cross, the weapon that had won him the victory. At the sight of him, Adam, the first man he had created, struck his breast in terror, and cried out to everyone, My Lord, be with you all! Christ answered him, And with your spirit. He took him by the hand and raised him up, saying, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I am your God, who for your sake became your Son, Out of love for you and for your descendants, I now, by my own authority, command all who are held in bondage to come forth. 
all who are in darkness to be enlightened, all who are sleeping to arise. I order you, O sleeper, to awake. I did not create you to be held a prisoner in hell. Rise from the dead, for I am the life of the dead. Rise up, work of my hands, you who were created in my image. Rise, let us leave this place, for you are in me, and I am in you. Together we form only one person, and we cannot be separated. For your sake, I, your God, became your son. I, the Lord, took the form of a slave. I, whose home is above the heavens, descended to the earth and beneath the earth. For your sake, for the sake of man, I became a man without help, free among the dead. For the sake of you who left a garden, I was betrayed to the Jews in a garden, and I was crucified in a garden. See on my face the spittle I received in order to restore to you the life I once breathed into you. See there, the marks of the blows I received in order to refashion your warped nature into my image. On my back, see the marks of the scourging I endured to remove the burden of sin that weighs upon your back. See my hands nailed firmly to a tree for you who once wickedly stretched out your hand to a tree. I slept on the cross, and a sword pierced my side for you who slept in paradise and brought forth Eve from your side. My side has healed the pain in yours. My sleep will rise you from your sleep in hell. The sword that pierced me has sheathed the sword that was turned against you. Rise, let us leave this place. The enemy led you out of the earthly paradise. I will not restore you to that paradise, but I will enthrone you in heaven. I forbade you the tree that was only a symbol of life, but see, I who am life itself am now one with you. I appointed cherubim to guard you as slaves are guarded, but now I make them worship you as God. The throne formed by cherubim awaits you, its bearers swift and eager. The bridal chamber is adorned. The banquet is ready. The eternal dwelling places are prepared. The treasure houses of all good things lie open. The kingdom of heaven has been prepared for you from all eternity. That reading comes from an ancient homily on Holy Saturday. And oh, every year I read this and every year I get something new out of it. And this year, what I want you to hear is that when things seemed the darkest, Christ was working his redemption. And that's true for us here. As things feel dark and abandoned and alone, Christ is going to the dark places of our lives and preparing us for the eternal joys that await us by his redemption. This is our time. Trust in the Lord, wait on him, and know that he is doing good things. That's all the time we have for today. Today's show is brought to you by Eileen Herman and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link and join their numbers. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.